this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Kevin, we just did Restaurant Wars. Oh my god, woo! That was really fun. Totally fun. It was really fun. Grant, we waited a long time. We got behind the scenes. Yeah. We did a lot. It was super cool. We did get to see behind the scenes. It was so cool. My favorite behind the scenes was just watching the chefs work. We shut off all social media because it's game seven, LeBron. Uh, Celtics and we did not look at the scores. We have no we have no Twitter feeds open. We are just gonna go cold. Like this is 1993 and we have it on the VCR and we need to go press play. It's Pack Your Knives, I'm Kevin Arnovitz. I'm Tom Haberstroh. We're also here with Hershey Ash, restaurant consultant, friend of the show. Hershey is all things Restaurant Wars. Guys, we have chaos in the kitchen, chaos on the floor, double elimination, crazy stuff going on at Last Chance Kitchen. This is absolute madness in Top Chef 16. Uh, Tom, where do we even want to start? The secret is out, Kevin. We did it. We went through, what, how many episodes of this show this season with the secret buried, you know, cross our heart. We zipped our mouths. We somehow survived without leaking that we were at Restaurant Wars at Northeast. 
That was us in Northeast, orange team serving us, Brian towering over the table, our eating the forgotten crudo and the ballantine and the delicious desserts provided by Adrian uh, in the fine New York strip of, of, uh, of Fast Eddie. It was, it was an experience. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Um, this was taped back in May, and we we got um, got an email from the PR people being like, "We love the podcast. Do you guys uh, have any interest in coming on the show?" Or maybe it was the other way around, where we said we were talking to the PR people, and we said, "Hey, is there any way?" I saw that this was taping in Kentucky, where uh, I oh yeah I yeah got- Tom 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 to get yourself. We hinted, we nudged, <laughs> we. Pss, pss. <laughs> We, we we did everything in our power to, to, to just basically weasel our way onto their air. Uh, the, the wonderful public relations folks at Bravo and Top Chef have been terrific, but but let's make no mistake about it. We, 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 we begged and pleaded. Yes, we got on our knees and said, please, please, let's get on. And they were like, well, you want to come on the John Calipari episode where – uh, you know, we go to Rupp Arena because we, we already know that it's in the previews. I'm not uh, revealing anything there, but uh, we couldn't make that for for our NBA schedule. It didn't work, but we ended up saying, what about this date? And they're like, oh, that's Restaurant Wars. You guys would be going to Restaurant Wars. Would you want to do that? And we're like, uh, there's a polar bear shit in the snow. Come on, let's go. So we um, you guys flew in. You and Eric flew in. Allison and I, we. Uh, made the trip. I think we drove into. Oh, you drove uh, like eleven hours through the Appalachians. That's right. And we got to uh, Allison's house in Kentucky, and uh, you and Eric got a hotel. And who did you see in the hotel? We saw Carrie Baird. It was very cool. It was a nice celebrity sighting. Uh, you know, it's very funny, Tom, because like you and I travel, we cover the league. We often find ourselves in the hotels the NBA teams stay in, just by sheer coincidence. Uh, we run into very famous, high-profile people all the time, but but there is something completely unique, like and it, it's it's old hat, right? Like, oh, hey, hey, Draymond Green, there you are in the lobby, but but yeah. when it, but all of a sudden it's Gary Baird. You get very excited. Uh, there, there's a, there's something completely different about being a participant in Top Chef than even you know being on air or or, or, or hobnobbing with players or coaches well, or let's, whatever. Let, let me jump in and ask about that because I'm curious. I mean, first of all, let me quickly just say I, I must be a terrible friend because I all I noticed was someone that looked very much like Kevin's boyfriend, Eric, talking to the camera and thinking, wow, that looks a lot like Eric. But it was my wife had to say, wait, isn't that Kevin sitting next to the person talking? <laughs> it took me a second to work out it was you. So I'm a terrible friend. I apologize. You're not a terrible Eric friend. We, we, saw, we, signed away, we signed away our lives. We, we couldn't tell oh, anybody. Never. But I had to actually rewind and be like, wait, that is Kevin and that is Eric. Okay, so I have some questions. I have lots of questions so that the general public out there and myself, we can we can learn. So there, there are three restaurants next to each other. Was there – can you – did it feel like you were in a restaurant on your own or did it feel like you were no. kind of wedged in the middle of two other restaurants? Okay, so when we got there, you get um, – you're told to go to a, a parking lot. Like there's very cryptic instructions. Wow. So you get an email that says – your top chef tomorrow will be in and then like they originally said it was Louisville. So we got the babysitter and we uh, we scheduled the babysitter for like, you know, like a normal like seven o'clock to ten o'clock or whatever it was. And then we get the email that the event is an hour away in Lexington. So we go to this warehouse in the middle of Lexington, Kentucky, where we're um, sorry, we had to go to what was a Sam's Club, Kevin? Top. Tom, a lot of bad stories start off with, we go to this abandoned warehouse on the edge of Lexington. <laughs> so it's very brave of you guys. 
You, you will hear some audio from our trip back from uh, from Restaurant Wars. We recorded like some snippets, uh, a, a post game review live in the car, whatever rental car that Kevin drove. We go to a Sam's Club as per the instructions, and we had to wait. <laughs> Kevin, remember waiting for like someone to flag us down, like some like secret. It was uh, like uh, Tom is too young to remember. Actually, Hershey, you're too young to remember. It was like going to a rave in 1995. What are you talking about? Do you know how many raves I went to in 1995? That was my glory era. The you Docklands were like 12. Melbourne. You were like 12. I appreciate, I appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you. Um, I, I wish so, that were true. Uh, it, 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 it was like that. Like you wait in your yeah. car in the rain in a yes. big box parking lot uh, waiting for okay. somebody to identify you and then get you on a shuttle bus. And you okay. get on the shuttle bus Excellent. and then you're with a, a complete stranger. So it's almost like um, the sun comes up and then all the animals come out of their like burrowed underground layers. And like suddenly all these people, once they saw the shuttle come down the parking lot in Sam's Club, all these people very nicely dressed in a Sam's Club parking lot, um, dressed to the nines, go out of their cars and somehow flock awkwardly to the shuttle bus. And then you get on the shuttle bus and everyone's like, gossiping with each other like oh how'd you get on the show how did you get invited da, da, da. and it was all locals it was all like louisville or lexington or in the area people knew people and so everyone's just so excited it's like going to an nba game but you don't know who's playing it's very oh, very the, the, the sense of anticipation uh, it's clearly an event. I mean, it's very cool to go to restaurant wars. I mean, it's not just any. You're not just going to the little. Uh, uh, hey, we've set up food trucks for 200 people. One, you're going to restaurant wars. I mean, right. this is this is this is the event. I mean, let, let's face it. I, I think restaurant wars could be a spinoff. Um, it, it just great sense of anticipation. Uh, we're driven I, I, just a little ways. I think not much more than across the street, but into kind of a warehouse complex uh, where one half. Uh, one on one side is essentially the holding tank for all of these people, plus the fascinating production operation. You've yeah. got you, like you've got you being direct served beverages at all while you're yes, waiting. Yes, yes. While we're okay. waiting, we are served random snacks that came from that Sam's Club. Clearly, and and you're assigned a reservation time. And uh, there, there's a Wrangler. It's all very. I mean, anybody. And again, says so someone who's worked on a reality show. I mean, these are really complicated and and. In intricate productions. I mean, there are just dozens and dozens, hundreds of people that make Top Chef happen. I mean, you see, uh, you see Padma, you see Tom and the guest judges, you see these fifteen folks, but there are dozens and dozens of professionals uh, doing everything, sitting in director chairs. They've got, you know, we, we got to go to, uh, you know, Tom, we got to go to the, the the directors area where all the screens of the different cameras and camera one, camera two, and it's all just, um, it's really, really intricate. It's it's a traveling roadshow. Uh, they do a great job. Um, and uh, but but so far, let's go back to the. Let's, you want Tom, Tom? Tell us about. I mean, the restaurants essentially. It's a warehouse split into three, three different restaurants that look like kind of TV sets. But I don't know about you, Tom. I felt like once we sat down, it was it was a restaurant. Like it could have been a restaurant in one of these industrial kind of nouveau food halls kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think the thing that um, people would not get from watching the episode and what it was so fascinating to see was. We were uh, – because of our podcast, we kind of got this like behind the scenes. Like Kevin said, we got to go to the director's room. We got to go like uh, you know, check out the, the chefs before we went to the restaurant, just like seeing the, the kitchen. And we missed our reservation. Because we were doing this VIP like backstage tour with uh, with this uh, lovely PR lady who just like brought out the red carpet for us, we missed our reservation. 
So we come back after doing this tour and we're like, hi, uh, the table for four, Haberstroh and Arnovitz. And they're like, oh, we called you like a half hour ago. Uh, you missed your table. And we just panicked. We panicked. We're like, wait, does that mean we don't get to go to a restaurant? And so we go back and we're like, what happened? Well, we, we missed our table. And they said, oh, we'll get you in, but it's going to be at the very end of the night. So you're going to go to Team Orange and you're just going to um, have a later reservation. I swear, Her Hershey, we must have waited for 90 minutes in a hot stuffy it was may end of may in lexington kentucky and if you could notice like there were beads of sweat on tom colicchio's head and padma was fanning herself on the show it, it was, was hot it was a steam room in there and so we waited for maybe 90 minutes and when we sat down in northeast we were greeted by brian who's very you, you never forget brian because he's he, he looks like a, a tight end right a huge guy and he sits us down hipster tight end yeah hipster joe flame tight end so he sits us down and we're we're like ravenous we're hangry my wife is like where's the food where's the food give it to me and they're like here's all the rosé you want because uh, you're like the last table here and you've been waiting for 90 minutes past your reservation we're so sorry here's the bottle of rosé and eric and my wife went to town on this bottle <laughs> but so we are leaving a taco bell right now we are leaving a sam's club parking lot um, and then my mom goes, where are you going? I was like, we're going to the Sam's Club in Lexington. She's like, what? <laughs> we are now about to embark from Lexington, where we had Restaurant Wars, back to Louisville, home of Allison. Uh, uh, my beautiful wife, my lovely wife, who was cranking hangry out of her face before we sat down for that meal. And boy, did we enjoy some rosé. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. The rosé was flowing freely. They did keep it going. So that's already a hospitality win. Okay, so that's a good question. So then, it, was there any atmosphere in the room? Was everyone sort of finished up eating by then? What was was the, was there any semblance of an atmosphere? I mean, I, I think it felt like you know most restaurants at the you know if you you came in at a nine thirty or ten o'clock reservations in a city other than New York, you know I mean I think right. it de yeah. definitely had the we're, we're toward the tail end of service and but there were still diners. It still felt. I mean, look, people were happy to be there. And frankly, I mean, the food was delicious. Tom, I mean, I mean that we were absolutely blown away by the quality of the food. I mean, there was one reason I sort of was bullish on Orange Team last uh, last week. Kind of tipped my hand a little bit just because we didn't have. I mean, other than the for, even the forgotten crudo, yeah. uh, Eddie's crudo, which was perfectly fine. I mean, you know what it needed? A little togarashi. That's what it needed. Like a little, just little little sprinkle of some heat, and it would have been fine. Uh, and but but we were so impressed with food. I think other people seem to be really impressed with the food. Um, but it definitely had the kind of test tail end of service. But because you guys came late, you didn't really get to experience having to wait too long for your food. I guess they were, you were the only table they were cooking. Or no, 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 no. There were other tables, and we. I, I think the wait at that point, I think, had, had probably moderated. I mean, we didn't. It wasn't. It didn't come quick, quick. But it was. You know, it, it, it was not notable. Was it, Tom? Or am I forgetting? So uh, there's one thing that happened that was really funny. Um. So we sit, we get in, we get in, um, Brian like seats us and we sit down and look at our table and we notice that our tablecloth is filthy. And I'm oh, like, huh. and I'm weird about stuff like that. The tablecloth <laughs> need to be replaced. Yeah, that, that was a little grody at the beginning. That was, it was a weird opening was where we, <laughs> we, we arrived at our table, we were seated and the table was, the cloth was just filthy. Mm. My fork was sitting in all kinds of unidentified goo. There was crumbs on the table, some unidentified crumbs. But is that the fault of the chefs, or is that the fault of the serving staff? 
Let's also remember we were eating in a warehouse. We were eating in a warehouse <laughs> that was 90 degrees. We sat at the Orange Team restaurant, um, which Northeast. Eddie, it was called Northeast. Mm-hmm. It was Eddie. Uh, Eric. Eric was one of them. Ryan. Ryan. And there's a girl. And Adrian. 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 Yeah. Adrian. The four of them did it. They were all lovely. They were great. Uh, they, they came, came out, out to meet us. us, and they were whisked, they were they, they were shuffled away because they were not supposed to do that. Yeah, the guy was like, I didn't know there were patrons still out here, and he like freaked out and like shuffled them all away. I mean, let's remember that we arrived to dinner in a Sam's Club parking lot, <laughs> and then got on a shuttle to a warehouse. It was very, in a very sketchy area of Lexington. It was not the finest part of Lexington. So, I think a dirty tablecloth is fine, if not to be expected. I don't know. I don't think it's fun. Uh, yeah, as Kevin as Kevin remarked, uh, yeah, my my knife is just sitting in goo, an unidentified goo. So what happened was Hershey, we decided we were like we should tell one of the servers that we need a new tablecloth or or something to be reset because it was just, there was like food everywhere on our I'm table. I'm really weird about stuff like that too. No, no I don't think that's. I think it's disgusting. Yeah, have to yeah. carry on. So then um, a lot of people on Twitter, after they saw us on the show, they asked us, hey, this must have tainted your draft because you would have known that Brian at least makes it that far. And you must have drafted Brian because um, it would have tainted the objectivity of the of the draft and we'd be biased. But I just remembering how a how backed up Northeast was for us, B, how there was uh, food all over our table and C, we this was the fun part. We actually picked up all of our utensils, the candles, the the tableware and held them as the customers held them as the servers put the tablecloth back down. It was just the scene. It was amazing. It was one of these like restaurant wars. You'll never forget it. Uh, how you're holding all these things as customers while the servers can reset the table because it was restaurant wars. I mean, they didn't have enough bodies to handle it. So we were yeah. hoping the cameras were there to see it. And that wa- that is why Hershey, that is why when people say you must've been biased towards Brian, I don't think so because we had up and down experiences. So it wasn't like they nailed it out of the park. The food was great. But because of the backup and the um, the, the food on our table, uh, the food on the uh, tablecloth, we kind of felt like maybe this evened out, so there wasn't an advantage. Well, th- and then there was the uh, other issue, right? Which is, th- we know the show only had f- there were twelve. We knew there were three restaurants. We knew there were twelve contestants. We knew there were only fifteen to start. So you know, okay, maybe you know a guy survives three weeks. That doesn't it, it, that doesn't warrant. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick him first. Of course. Right? And, but like, could you could you see could you see who was out in the various kitchens though? Uh, no, not really. I mean, and I also, so. I don't, I, I don't recognize no really. it was such yeah. a blur. Like, I, I just can't. It was a very just busy, blurry, chaotic scene. Not not just Northeast. I mean, the whole complex. Right. I mean, I think all productions are to some extent. Yeah. But and her- it well, you know, it was just like I didn't honestly it was funny because when Eric, uh, when Eric, when when um, Tom and I kind of started talking about like, hey, how do we want to handle this? I was like, dude, I can't remember anything other than that that guy with the yeah. funny glasses. Like, I can't. Like, I didn't remember Eric. Like, they, they all came out. I think at one point and introduced themselves, right, Tom? Yeah, and then they got sh- um, shuttled away. Because yeah, exactly. Like, so, like, they came out and they're like, "Oh, nice to meet you. Uh, you guys are the podcasters." We're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." The pack your knives. They're like, "Oh, cool." And then suddenly, uh, a staffer, like a Bravo staffer, like like grabbed them and put them in straight jackets and straight jackets and huddled them away. And they're like, "You can't meet them. Yes, you can't they meet came, them." They came out with a butterfly. 
by net. I, I don't, and not to go commissioner, but I think there's no advantage there. First of all, I think you guys both had the same advantage. The analog would be, Tom, that if everyone got to see Darko doing post-ups against more than a chair, if everyone got to see that, then that would be fair. That's not like Detroit would have been at a disadvantage. It's like you all got to see post-ups at more than a chair. Yeah, we, we got equal viewing time. So I don't think either right. of us were and, – and you'll see, I think in our draft, Brian didn't go all that high. I think he was like the fifth or sixth pick. Um, and and to me – like here's the other thing. And we, we also didn't, didn't know, know who made – we didn't know who made which dish either. Uh, no, I didn't know Brian did the. Uh, oh, we didn't know that Brian did the Valentine's. Yeah, because he was like, "Yeah, that's my dish." I don't know if he was supposed to reveal that, but he told us that it was his dish and it was fantastic. And we complimented him on it, but we didn't know Kevin. We didn't know how the other restaurants were doing. We really didn't that, know. We had so, no idea. So that that was my question about if you could get a feel for what was going on. Yep. We waited in line for what, like an hour? Yeah, the backup at Team Orange was pretty severe. And it was enough of a backup where I kind of felt like it was, we were pawns in the whole game. Like, let's stick Kevin and Tom in the back, the last people on the Orange team. As people are walking out, they're saying it was bad, right, Allison? Yeah, one girl was like, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) But everyone was drunk. Yes. I mean, ladies were falling. They had been drinking for a very long time yeah, inside that Yes, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway is if you go to restaurant, if you're fortunate enough ever to go to restaurant wars, you're gonna see a lot of drunk people. Yes. And there's very little food to sop it up. No, there's no food to sop it up. Like, <laughs> it is slim pickings. Hey, you know what though? They got limited budgets. No, I get They're it, I get it. They're here to show off their thing. We can stop for tamales, you Three know, like- glasses of rosé. White, no. white Castle. Three <laughs> dishes, it's a one-to-one proportion. I kinda thought I had like a bottle of rosé. <laughs> <laughs> Which means if you thought it was one bottle, it was probably two. (laughs) I thought the food was really good. Food was good. Small mm -hmm. portions, but delicious. Yes. Hershey, I thought about, I thought a lot watching this episode. We'll segue now into the episode. Probably listeners are like, ah, screw you guys. Let's talk about the episode. Um, (laughs) uh, Is, is, um, one, I kept thinking about your comment last week. It would be very interesting to see Restaurant Wars if each team was furnished with trained waitstaff. And by the way, I want to say this about the waitstaff. These are some of the kindest, nicest people we encountered in Kentucky. Um, they get a bad rap. The truth is they weren't all that trained. Many of them did not have sort of restaurant experience. They, they come Right. That's not, um, that's not their fault. Right. Exactly. And it's not their fault. And th- these people were kind. They were patient. They were so um, sweet. Yeah. By the way, clearly not restaurant professionals, but I would be very curious in a future seasons to see if you furnished these chefs with real trained staff, you know, got a wait staff from existing restaurants in town, uh, or if that might be a really fun gig or, you know, person who waits in a, you come out to wherever we're, we're taping and this would be cool. We get to be a waiter for a night on restaurant wars, um, you know, whatever. So the other question I had for you, Hershey, is it dawned on me watching the show and having been in the restaurant, there are really only three hands in the kitchen on a re- busy night on a Friday or Saturday night at a restaurant with, let's say an, o- a, a, an occupancy or, or with, with 40 seats, how many people would be? on the line and in the kitchen, like in a regular restaurant. Okay. So, so you're opening a whole can of worms here because it's literally what I've been hired for over the past few years of, I, I um, advocate for very, very small uh, kitchen crews. So you're kind of right, hitting in a kind of a sweet spot for me, but I, I would say like this uh, for a 40 seater, um, that's an adequate amount. If I'm really going to be honest with Only you. Only three many- human beings cooking food. 
Well, you have to keep in mind that there would have been maybe two or three human beings washing plates and dishes, which is half the half half the kitchen roll as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I th- I think that that's enough considering that they're not you you weren't ordering off a menu. They were just pre-making food and sending it out. So the way to think about it is not really like a restaurant, but more like a function room, to be honest. So okay. was, you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not cooking to order. So that's a whole separate thing. Well, no, they so they were in the sense that okay, so there were six dishes, right? There are two entrees, two apps, two desserts. Um, we got to choose, right? It wasn't one of everything, right? Like I think, I think we purposely at our table, Tom, if I'm not mistaken, we ordered yeah. two of each, right? Because we wanted to make sure that everyone got a little of everything. But by and large, like there were tables, you could both people could have had the New York Strip zero. You didn't know exactly what the quantities would be. So what I would like to see, and it's a thing that I advocate a lot for, is I actually think that is enough chefs, and for a few reasons, but also because you know there there, there are a lot of restaurants. There, as soon as you start uh, hiring more and more chefs. Definitively, by definition, the actual quality of the expertise starts to dilute, right? So you need more and more people. So this is sort of the this is the this is the argument against expanding the NBA, the yeah, dilution well, of talent. Well, except with the NBA, you can now recruit internationally, whereas um, <clears throat> under certain administrative pressures at the moment in this country, recruiting internationally may be more of a challenge in my industry. But having said all that, um, mm. says the person with an accent. But having said all that. Um, no, I, I, you're my I, I favorite. Hershey, you're my favorite immigrant. I'll just say this thank right you. Now, I, I now, now that it. my great grandparents <laughs> are no longer alive, you're now my favorite immigrant. Oh, thank you. That's good. You and you and my wife. That's good. It's two. I'm, I, I can collect. Um, I think that um, that's enough. I really do think three is enough for what they're doing. Case in point, you know, we had a restaurant in Melbourne, which we sold before we moved back. And we had the same sort of thing. We only had three starters, uh, three pasta and three mains. And we would do Saturday nights in a 50 seater with one chef and one kitchen head. Wow. So that's Holy how we yeah. did Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm we, in awe of these folks. I really am. Yeah. So, so th- go on. One, so one that's thing. answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that uh, to, to piggyback off that is when I first walked in, Kevin, I was struck at how quiet the back room was. In retrospect, I think we walked in uh, when we first got to the set, um, the Bravo staffer actually – like took us through the kitchen. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 and we saw like kind of three. It was almost like like three consecutive kitchens, right? Like yeah. almost contiguous. back to back to back, right? Right. And I remember the thing that struck me most was how quiet it was right. because when you watch the show, it's dinner, 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 and it's fire, just like fire so- force, snapper, fire, yeah. you know, like yeah, exactly. It was just. And- we must have caught the Kelsey team at the at a quiet downtime because when you watch the show, it looks super chaotic and su- just madness. And that's just the nature of the production, right? Like, like this is a seven-hour event, and yes. essentially the editors are taking the two – probably in aggregate the 90 most chaotic seconds. Um, and, and by the way, they do a wonderful job. I mean that, that is sort of the art of reality TV is can you, can you concentrate the really tense moments what other, on, from what otherwise might be kind of a – you know, quiet, very quiet period. Um, let's talk about the. I mean, I, I think there's an elephant in the room. I, mean, I want to get. I want to get to the competition here. And, and and the bottom line is the headline. Tom, the top of the news stack here is the best cook in the competition went home. Um, uh, I, I want to ask a few questions of each of you. Now there was and, this, and the and the worst as well. By the way, now the best cook, but the, oh, you think Pablo is the and, worst cook? It seems to be that I, I mean, have we? Did he make one dish the entire season that anyone liked? Oh yeah, like the tilapia crudo at the beginning was like fantastic. Okay. Um, but so, 
so, so here's my question to each of you. I noticed a certain trope in the conversation afterwards that, that she was, quote, thrown under the bus. And, and I think this is a lot of definition creep. That, that this is as if, as if Claudette was standing there. I have a lot of sympathy for Justin. You know, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Hirsch, because, you, you, know, you, you know, I'm going to push back. All right, all right. I know he's not the <laughs> nicest guy. I know temperamentally. Oh, I, but the bottom line is, let's that. just talk about this for a second. She gets on the chopping block. The first thing she does is blame the ticket system. Am I correct that the ticket system is devised by the chef or is it devised by the person in the front of the house? Hey, listener, it's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer, May, is here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not-so-wise man once said, it's not that hard, just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from ButcherBox? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high-quality meat and seafood you can trust, delivered right to your doorstep, free shipping always, a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need, premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store. You're stressed. You got a lot of food to get. And then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash dings, and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop! We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So... So this is actually a really good way to ask the question because it's not really as clear and simple as, as that I can answer that directly. And this kind of speaks to it. I, I do want to caveat everything and say... I'm not defending her per se. I actually think it looked like she met that, you know, her going home seemed to be justified from, from what we saw. And I do think her kind of saying, Oh, it's not all my fault is probably something that, you know, you should, you should take it on the chin. So I, I want to make it very clear. I'm not defending. Right, right. I, I, don't, I don't think she was I thrown think, under the bus. I think she took an industrial belt and strapped herself to the skid plates under the bus. <laughs> right. like she did a terrible job. And it's like, she you know, and I, I appreciate and I appreciate Kelsey saying, hey, this was a bad group. Look, they all have the same pool. I mean, Tom and I saw it. They're all coming right. from the same pool of, 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 right. of service folks. Um, somehow, Sarah ended up being able to salvage it you know we, we mm-hmm. you know by the way mm-hmm. you called you called i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take you out on this one hirsch you called brian jr smith well let me tell you motherfucker jr smith went nine for 13 six for eight from three <laughs> yeah he did well although, yeah although, you know like come on brian horn i did say that adrian was the only one there that was a strong executive chef and, and by the way you were absolutely together. i thought by the way i thought she could have i mean as, as, as good as brian was i thought she would have been a worthy winner as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's get back to quickly because I have well, let's some go back to Nini. Yeah, because this is and the, I have the, some thoughts on your on your question. Specifically, you asked who's responsible for the tickets. So ultimately, who's responsible for it? You guys are not in charge of 
the stats that you guys get, you know, I've, I've been fortunate, I guess, to see you guys get really great stats from Synergy. You guys, it's it's what you guys put in as to what you get out, right? You don't own Synergy, but you guys have the right to be able to contact people there and say, hey, we'd like to see a bit more of this, we'd like to see a bit more of that. Yet the quality of the information that you're getting is directly and proportionally related to how specific you are in what information you want. So who was in charge of making sure the staff wrote the tickets as requested? That was Nini. But who was in charge of saying, this is how I want the tickets to look, that's Justin. So it's on both of them. And this is important. What I saw, and this really hit me, you know, it's a thing, again, another one of the things that I'm particularly sensitive about is, I, and this could be game theory, which, you know, I'm sure Tom would answer to better than I, but I saw a kitchen team that would kind of said, cool, let's just let this person go down in flames on their own. Yes. I'm not going to participate in helping. And this is not a thing that you see on television. This is a thing I've seen hundreds of times in kitchens and it oh. drives me crazy. It's a thing so they that- sabotage the executive chef or the front back, of house? Back of house- and front of house will sabotage each other. It's, you know, this is, you know, no, no different to a, a basketball team, you know, certain yeah. people not like each other on team and they won't pass to that person. This is a real thing you guys hear about in locker rooms all the time. So this is a real thing that we see now and it happens in everyone's place of work. So this is the thing we see all the time. And this is what I saw. The reality is that that team was putting out food at such a slow pace that for the kitchen and particularly Justin to just stand up and go, look, the table numbers are all wrong. Call all the, all the front of house, get them in here now. We're not sending food for five minutes. Get everyone in here now and let's have a quick, okay, this is this table. This is this table. Let's have a five-minute reset. Would have had zero impact when people were waiting 45 minutes of food anyway. You didn't slow anything down to do that. And that's a failure of the head chef to not stand up and say, okay, this front of house person is failing the ability for me to express my creativity to these people. They're letting down the experience of people are having enjoying the food that I'm responsible for. I am now going to jump and say, right, not take over the front of house team, but just pull everyone in and go, guys, this is what's happening. Let's have a quick reset. Part of that failure is on Nini and equally part of that failure needs okay. to be on Justin. Okay, but, but what's neat? I mean, again, I, I'm not. I, I feel like I'm being a, a you know, a, a honk for for Justin, who you know seems like the, not the most pleasant, uh, you know, a, you know, person in, in that situation. But I just like, isn't? I mean, what is Nini doing? I mean, isn't that like 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 she, she's got a sorbet that she, you know, that she 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 prepped and whatever and, and passed it off? I mean, like he's firing plate after plate after plate, which is going out, coming back. It seems at a, at a rate of one in three, and like, I mean, what what's she doing? For five hours. Yeah, can I, okay, let me give you, because I know you guys love a basketball analogy. Do you remember that play that everyone talks about where I can't even remember his name? The 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 Cleveland uh, head the Cleveland head chef, the, the Cleveland coach that got sent packing back to Europe. What was his name again? David Blatt. David Blatt. Remember the play where Blatt called for Delhi to shoot the open three and LeBron overruled him and swapped it? Yeah. Remember that playoff game? Okay. Everyone was like, that's the correct play. Well done, LeBron. This is the same sort of thing. At some point... Justin has to be like LeBron and go, look, it's time to call in. Nini's not pulling her weight. My customers, who are also Nini's customers, all of our customers are being affected. I'm going to jump in. And if the issue was more that you couldn't really fix it in sort of five minutes, so if the issue wasn't just table numbers but a whole raft of other issues, fine, so be it. But it looked like what they were getting angry and frustrated most by was was plates walking to the wrong table. You can really fix that in a five-minute reset. Not perfectly but you can address it. All right. Let me, let me jump in here because I need to, I need to give some other, um, some other perspective here. Being someone who went to restaurant wars that Kevin and I were witness to how Northeast line was backed up 
like crazy when we went. I thought all that of them Northeast, were though. Aren't, well, all n- of them were. I I, caught, I talked to Allison about this this morning because I my memory didn't serve. I didn't know. I asked her. I said, was it just Northeast or was it um, the other two as well that that were backed up? What Allison said was at different points in the night they were backed up, but. Northeast was backed up for uh, like at the end of the night, it was clear that Northeast was backed up way more than the other two. So I think there is a little bit of luck here that Nini, not to defend her because she was on my team, um, but the fact that Northeast got the, the judges first, I think is a big break. I think they got a big break by that because then after they left, I don't know if it, like at that point is the once you know that the chefs have already the judges tables already eaten, do you kind of just kick back and say, all right, like, you know, we, well, we, we already got the judges table and then the judges table went to I think they went to Thistle and then um, Third Coast. So Nini's yes. team. So I kind of feel like they got a broad deal there by having the judges the third, the last, because that has the more risk of the backup, everything getting backed up. And I think Nini just got overwhelmed uh, because of the fact that there was such a backup and people were going in the wrong directions. And I think Northeast got got lucky that they weren't the third team versus the first team. It was a small factor, not everything. Um, no, I think that's fair. I, I do wonder, though, if they get to – I mean, this is maybe a little inside baseball, but do they get to watch maybe some sort of clips of, of what they didn't see, the judges, that is? Uh, I don't, or, do, I don't know. or do they have a scout? I mean, that, that would yeah. be an interesting thing. Do they have a scout yeah. um, that, that tells them? Uh, you know, and by they, the way, th- this is an interesting thing because I, I wanted to, Hershey, you know, one of the things I, you, you know, you kind of always talk about cultures. I was very impressed with Sarah, at least from the clips we saw on the show, of the way she handled staff. That's uh, great. The, you know, my the, people, her, yeah. her affability, my people, yeah, people. My people yeah. like, you know, there's that study, Tom, that you and I've seen about how like Harvard did that if, if teammates on the floor who touch each other and like Steve yeah. Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. like get better yeah. results from teammates. And um, she also, from an expedient standpoint, I think understands something that I, I think a lot of contestants don't, which is not to be cynical, but it's really all that matters is the judge's table. I mean, if you put out dog food for everybody else at the end of the day, like it's the judges. Like when they came, it's like Jesus is coming. Look ready. Um, yeah. I also found it amusing that she she, she told the servers, her people, uh, Padma, the banging hot one was, was what she said, <laughs> which I found which I found very amusing. But, banging hot one, obviously. And then she was like, wait, they're all banging hot. Oh, oh. Um, you know, this this all had an interesting night, right? Like Michelle, we've learned, is a pasta machine. She is, uh, you know, come again, comes from flour and water in San Francisco. Uh, I, I picture very high with this expectation, the sweet pea. Anna Lottie was, was uh, I think Carolyn Stein said that, that she would have it as a, a, a permanent dish on her menu. Um, you know, th- th- that was a winner. And, and Michelle, you know, you had said about kind of voice. Um, Hershey, you were impressed with Adrian. Um, obviously, Michelle's a little quieter. But um, in terms of the Expos, I mean, you would rank them Adrian, Michelle, Justin, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I have a number. Uh, I won't keep going, but I have a number of issues with Justin. Just that sort of throwing up in the air. I thought Michelle got her team to the finish line. I thought, you know, Adrian sort of came across as someone to really have you know, it, there's a complex personality needed to do that. You can't just be gentle and be my people. You have to be firm at time. And I think, you know, at, on last week's episode, Tom, you you know, I, I didn't see that clip, but you <clears throat> pointed out there was a clip of her being firm about her tickets. Yeah. And then Bridget and I, you know, watched it together on Thursday night and we out, you know, it felt completely fair enough. I actually liked the way she delivered it. <clears throat> to her point, which she said later in, in they kind of made a joke later that she didn't yell at any staff, only, only yelled at Brian, which – 
you know, case in point, that's you know, she knew that he could take me talking, being spoken to. Right, that, that's that's firmly. Pop and Tim Duncan, right? That, that's yeah, Pop. that's it. Exactly. That was uh, you see, you stole my analog, but that's exactly oh, what it is. I'm sorry. You know? No, that's right. no, that's good. That's spot on. I think we're seeing it the same way. You know, if you can yell at the team leader, then then everyone knows that there's a there's a line there that can't be crossed. I, I actually thought Adrian did it. A, a spectacular job as mm-hmm. as what they showed i mean yeah i thought michelle did a good job i think um she failed in not you know to, to the what they asked her on you know she didn't really taste the food which is obviously you know it, it's interesting to me like you don't have to do what i do for a living you just have to watch top chef and what you learn is that constantly people are getting in trouble for not tasting the food like at what point are people going to watch their own show and start tasting the food that they're putting hey, up? Tom, you and I both loved um, Adrian's desserts too. I mean, again, oh. I thought I thought I thought it could have been a pick'em with Brian and Kevin. Adrian. That that Ke- the peach and that and that triple cream with the basil focaccia was fantastic. Kevin, I almost I almost had to uh, get divorced after that because I ate all of Adrian's dish. The dessert because it was so delicious. Wait, which one you was, ate, the peach or the, or the, the cheese? peach? The peach. I thought they were and, both fantastic. And Allison was like, "Hey Tom, are you? Uh, can we switch plates now?" And she looks over at my dish and it's completely empty. Yeah, but I Allison gobbled. was already. She was three seats to the win at that point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she was. She was flying high on rosé. So at that point, she was like, "I hate you" because I wanted that peach dish. It looked so good, and I was like, "It was so good." And, and she by was way, so mad at me. The, yeah. the triple cream with the basil focaccia was was just fascinating and in good texture. And I love. I'm a guy who loves a cheese plate, and it was just a different way to go with blackberry. And um, yeah, I, I thought Adrian has had a great night. And I really her comportment. I think it's okay to be firm. I talk to you. You talk. You only talk to me. No, um, she did it was, right. Yeah, yeah. And um, to, to me, to me, she was the um, she was the winner. To me, to, to yeah. my yeah, way of looking at it. But I think um, who I mean, let's sort of carry on and talk about. Uh, well, you know, what, let's I, I don't know go in order. I mean, I will say I did enjoy very much the uh, the editors of the television show making fun of. Sarah going through every dish like she was explaining <laughs> roughly rough very very slowly running through the constitution of the United States I, I found that to be very amusing I, I know you know I think we've all had the experience in modern dining of where you go and the waiter comes over says I'm going to tell you the specials and then six hours later you've passed out and fallen asleep so yes. that was fun that they made fun of that because that's and, but really by the way she handled i thought very well and, the judge's table right like she she said oh, no, she, 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 she was she's she's very she's got a very good at social cues because he, you know she said hey I, I was a little nervous and look you got all these how, power women at the table and before they could continue to chide her they were all laughing at the judge's table so she did a very good job of deflecting uh, she, she she absorbed the criticism was self-deprecating and and by the time padma had thrown that at her She'd already come back and had them laughing about the power women at the table and, and Tom and whatnot. So I, further, the Paducah Jew is just like, I, again, I want her jersey. I'm, I'm so into it. Uh, it, it just uh, really loved the whole thing. I mean, only the candied ginger in her gazpacho, I think, was the only blemish on her night. Well, but, Kevin, would you rather have the Paducah Jew jersey or the Eddie jersey? Because he he did great on this episode as well. The crudo, the, the forgotten the, crudo. <laughs> the forgotten crudo. The forgotten crudo. Um, but, you know, his New York strip, I think we both loved. Um, yes. and, and again, and again, the crudo just needed a little togarash. He just needed a little sprinkle needed a little of chili, heat. a little spice. Yeah, just, little... just something. It wasn't bad. It was just, I mean, it was just next to, frankly, it was next to the Ballantine. And, and then after, and then they went into two very good entrees as well. Um, so the food, I mean, not to, just aside from Brian sort of holding up and Adrian being a good expediter, I think, you know, the food we had, 
five fantastic dishes and one decent dish, the Forgotten Crudeau. Um, they just right. nailed the food as much as anything. And which I, I think that's what it looks like. Yeah, and they also said it was interesting to say this wasn't, you know, I think Tom said, normally there's one team that really stands out in a, in a restaurant wars, but it seems like, you know, there was – Everyone had issues, I suppose. So no one really stood out as the clear winner, which might, which may mean, I guess, no one really stood out as the clear loser as well. Hershey, do you it. feel validated by the thistle? <laughs> they got stuck in someone's throat. How amazing was that? <laughs> artichokes. Hey, let, let's talk about artichokes. I mean, I I love skimming my teeth across the surface of an artichoke yes. like everybody else. Oh, I nice. just don't. It's not. It never feels. I don't know. I mean. I, I'm not. I, I I love the idea of artichokes more than the. It's like it's like eating when I get crab legs or something. I don't want to work that hard. Mm, disagree. I think there is something. Uh, there there's the journey is part of the destination. Eh. You know, like the, eh. I like that part of it. And also, like if the dinner. Good, let me tell you something, Tom. If the dinner check is three figures, I ain't uh, no no journey <laughs> yeah, destination. So yeah. yeah, but then then you get the artichoke heart, and if you dip it in the butter, like when I grew up. I would have like it was it was a delicacy it was just an artichoke uh, steamed for whatever it was. And then you dip it into the butter, dip it into the mayo, whatever you want. And then you take the artichoke heart and you scoop out the very tiny thistles. Right. And the tiny blades, you scoop it out with a with a spoon. And then you dump the kind of artichoke heart like the, the stem and that base into the butter. It's just delicious. So I I'm a big fan of artichokes and the thistle. What So what? What was uh, Padma spitting out there, Hershey? Like, what was? So the, the, the thistle is a flower, right? So if you're going to use it for the flavor, the flavor is interesting. It's this kind of green, slightly as, um, aggressive flavor, which is which is great. You can offset it with a fat. I, I'm I'm guessing they didn't really chop it up very finely, so that it kind of mixed in. So you just got the flavor without the texture, and it looked like she had a nice little chunk of this. Yeah, this this prickly flowers which is as unpleasant as it sounds which which i guess kind of was interesting I, the other thing as well along that because you mentioned thistles this is why i'm thinking of this there was um you're gonna have to remind me one of the one of the groups just did not have any cohesion in terms of from one dish to another i'm trying to think if that was was that was that the blue team that was it when was, it, the third coast had that sort of gulf yeah. coasty theme yeah um but I don't know. Did the duck kind of cabbage go away from that? It was the Creole duck cabbage. But those entrees look very good, though. They look. They actually looked excellent. And this is speaks to um, an experience now you two have that the rest of us don't have, which is all of us. You know, it's a very hard show to watch without being able to eat the food. But I guess you know that's the advantage you two now have. Okay, I have a question here. Going back to Nini, because we could do a whole episode about Nini. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When she comes out and discusses with one of the servers like in front of the judges table i was like i i threw my hat across the room because it seemed like have this have this private conversation be behind closed doors don't you don't want to bring all the baggage out and have the dirty laundry in front of the in front of the judges table so she says she felt betrayed by her team not putting on the sorbet and instead as someone described it to me afterwards on the shuttle it looked like her dish was a plate full of poop emoticons and so yeah. there was no ice cream it looked like just poop right like so this was one of the one of the people on the shuttle after top chef restaurant wars someone who went to the third coast restaurant described it as a plate of poop emo emojis and nini felt betrayed and i'm wondering what you guys thought of the gamesmanship the game theory of kelsey i think it was kelsey 
tells you at the executive decision of like, we're not plating the ice cream. We're just going to make this look pretty. We cannot serve the ice cream because it's already um, melted. I mean, I, I, my opinion is this. Uh, first of all, I don't have any belief that Kelsey was gaming it. Like, she's a benevolent person. She stood up for for uh, for, for Nini. She, I, I think, tried her best. I mean, and, and I don't want to hit Nini too hard. I did it last week. Um, I, I just want to, as a disclaimer, say I don't know if there's any shit chef on the show whose food I'd rather eat on a daily basis than Nini's. I mean, she's, she's just turned out fantastic. It's, it's all my more frust- all the more my frustration that she just made one bad decision after another. I mean, not only taking the front of the house when you're the best cook, but what dessert are you going to do? Something that isn't durable, right? Like, like Hershey, you can speak to this. It's 95 degrees out. Tom, you and I were there. Like you, you don't know the condition of the freezer. You know, it, it, you understand the chaos. You choose to do a not the night to do a sorbet, and then you have oh, I felt betrayed by whom? Kelsey was doing everything in her power to to make sure you didn't go home. I mean, I, I, you know, again, you know, you're blaming the ticket system. Like, I, I just this 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 mission creep, this definition creep of I was thrown under the bus. No, you strapped yourself under the bus. Uh, and, agreed. And and they're being judged again. It's top chef, not top cook. And so there is no head chef or I top mean, scallop. Yeah, <laughs> top scallop. There you go. There is no real head chef. I mean, even even in the restaurant example that I gave, you know, with how we had one head chef and one kitchen hand, my business partner was who'd be on the floor would be was essentially the person, the executive chef, you know, of the restaurant. So the the skill of being an executive chef is not being able to put together a dish, but being able to put together a dish that you can then have another human being replicate consistently, right? And then be able to educate that and get that done. So, you know, the failure is is very much on her end, even if there was a sabotage. Well, perhaps if there wasn't, if there was there a sabotage. Tom, example, do you really think there was, there Tom? Wasn't. No, no, no. No, I, I, I was just, I think those are one of those moments that it, it, it Everything rises to the surface. In that moment, there was a decision made that we cannot put out a plate that is a soup, basically a, a melted sorbet. And and you know what? She's not going to like this, but this is as good as – it's going to be worse if we plate her idea of having the melted soup uh, sorbet out there. We can't plate it. And and it's one of those things like Tom Colicchio always hits on this is if you know it's bad, do not put it out, right? Kelsey made saw that made the executive decision. We cannot plate this, um, and Nini took the fall for it. And this is the thing, Kevin. You hit on this about your um, discussion of, of Nini. She chose to be the front of the house. Like we can we can hammer her decisions because this is not something that she was handed. This is something she wanted. By the way, imagine that team with Kelsey still doing her fantastic biscuit panna cotta dessert. But the front of the house, Nini can be back there. Nini's now probably, you know, improving upon that awful oyster dish, which she probably could have nailed by herself. Oh, and a much, you know, she can still do her sorbet or something else. Like, like, just imagine a world where Nini is, you know, nailing one of the two appetizers, nailing a dessert. Kelsey's due in front of the house. She's so capable and competent and system oriented. Hershey, is there other? I noticed that they put on the menu chocolate. Just simply chocolate, which is kind of a both enticing and, and confounding way to sort of advertise a dessert. Uh, she no, probably I, got hurt by that as well. What do you what, what do you make of that as somebody who's created menu? No, 
I, no, I, I don't agree at all. I, I love that notion of, you know, we were just mentioning, you know, someone reading too many ingredients. It's just, it takes away from the pleasure of the experience. I know if you want to know what's in the items, you should be able to ask. And just say, tell me know, if there's cilantro. That's all I care. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. No, but, but that's actually, I mean, you're saying that as a joke, but it's true. Like that's the thing that a lot of people don't like or might be allergic to. So just mention the things that people are triggered by or are allergic to. And that's enough. You don't need to go into a whole, are you ready for the, that's the, the only tr- that's the yes, only trigger warning. I don't need the whole Magilla. Um, uh, the only trigger warning I need in life is cilantro. Um, you know what I like is a trend uh, that started a few years ago of just kind of uh, Ari Tamor, uh, my, my my friend who did uh, uh, who did Alma and is now with the Little Prince in Santa Monica. Just sort of ingredient cereal comma ingredient cereal comma ingredient cereal comma ingredient. That's it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Ingredient. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, a big movement that started in the mid-2000s in super expensive fine dining London restaurants. So Petrus did it and Tom Aiken says a lot of, yeah, you just, they just would just say the animal. That's it. It's lamb. That was the whole, that was the whole menu item. I did really like, I, I do like that. So I'm a big fan of that. So Brian came out to the table and said that there were uh, they wanted to showcase the humble proteins on the menu, and I've never heard of the term humble proteins, so I'm guessing that's what it's those really it's those chicken. arrogant proteins. Little yeah. <laughs> those ego meat, those pompous proteins. proteins. See, but I would think of like okay, pork is a humble protein, I think. Yes. But I do not think that scallops are humble. That's right. Protein. That's that's and a good certainly point. a New York strip is not. No. spoken about Pablo at all. Should we talk a little bit about Pablo? The other yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because I kind of felt like he was the surprise um, eliminate elimination. Really? I, I did. I, I thought that Is they that were going to send Justin. Uh, no, because he's on he's on Kevin's team. Oh, you're saying because I'm I lived in Miami for a while and oh, I've been okay. to 27. So I I kind of felt like it was almost it was almost. Con- almost contrived to me the idea that Pablo was sent home because I felt like both teams were on the bottom and I felt I, I had this thought that maybe they decided all right instead of sending two from one team we're gonna send one from each and we have to pick the worst from each team and because I thought I felt like Justin uh perform not not performed worse but I thought that um what happened with that Northeast kitchen was a lot worse than what what happened with Pablo. So I agree, Justin should have been sent home, but I also think we're watching it as what we saw. I think that, yeah. that's why I asked the question if they would have seen. Like if I would have just been the judges or, or in fact, you know, you guys, I guess the only interaction I would have had was, was the Nini's failure and then I would have had interaction with Pablo's failure because I ate the food. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if they got to really see what was going on back in the kitchen, which is an interesting thing in its own right. I, I do think, I, I mean, his food just seemed really plain and simple and then he was unable to execute something really simple which is a a skill but you know i think he was the right person to go home the only other thing is you know and this is probably a better question for you guys is because you're in more into the game theory of this is brandon gonna be this like expert at just skating by to the final three and then pulling it together at the end because he seems to be you know just like in the background, not hurting yes. anyone. By the way, and completely pleasant. I feel terrible at my, my early commentary that he was the designated asshole. Like, seems absolutely lovely. Um, I know. 
And um, he's been right. Like he, I think he had. And he's right. A, a, uh, I think he had another one this episode. With Pablo's needs tip. a little more heat or, or something, or I don't know. Yeah, you know, like yeah. just nailed it every single time. Um, I, I don't know if he's got that kind of talent. I mean, I think at a certain point, and, and also I, I, there, there have been a few misfires. By the way, I, I, he did participate in a, a trend I don't like, which is corn in strange places, Hershey. There been, <laughs> there's lots of corn in strange places now. And, I, and by the way, I love a sweet corn. I mean, I, I, there, there, there's, uh, I like a maize. I mean, I, you know, give me a yumitas when I, you go to you know, Latin America. Like, I, I, I think there is a place for corn. Uh, but I, 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 it's starting to it's starting to pervade environments on plates that I don't need corn on. Right, but that's also and that also reflects really interestingly on what he is as a chef. So being a private chef is someone that is taking yesterday's trends and then delivering it in someone's house. That's very reductive and almost entirely insulting. And I'm comfortable being as insulting as this, but that's really what it is. So I do think we'll start to see with his food, like it is, he's cooking very nineties food. This kind of, here's a pit of red meat. Here's a Jew underneath. No, no. And I, I mentioned that in the early episodes, there was something very like that, 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 that 2000, the, 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 the yeah. strip on the polenta, the very 2004. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you a question, Hershey. Um, Tomorrow you can hire one private chef for the rest of your life. Who is it? To, to cook for me at the house? Yeah, to cook for you at your house. It's just your private chef for the rest of your life. I still think Nini makes the best food. No, she no, no. I mean, not among the contestants. I mean, in the entire world. Oh, in oh, the whole wow. world? In the whole world. Oh, man. Wow, that's really thrown me here. Holy smokes. <laughs> you, oh, I have no idea. I, you know, I think... Uh, we'll come back to you at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, come we'll back come back to, to you at the end of the show. There's going I don't know who listens to this around the world. I'm probably going to get an email from someone from saying I didn't, you know, that, that I didn't choose them. I have no idea. Wow, what a great question. Um, okay, carry on. Wow. Oh yeah. Something. Uh, I had a couple more notes here, Tom. I, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, well, where are my other notes here? Uh, I, I, I liked. I like that Kelsey nailed her dessert, and um, and and I'm becoming increasingly bullish on Kelsey as a participant. I mean, that was a high intensity. You've got, I mean, a, a panna cotta in that temperature could just go all wrong. It was gorgeous in terms of. I mean, it's one of oh, the prettiest yeah. desserts I've ever seen in my life. Um, I like the fact that there was a, an assertiveness. Again, I, I really think I think they win. If if she and Nini switch places, I mean, I, I really do. I'm 100. Um, percent I was just gonna say that was that seems like even more apparent now after watching the second half of Restaurant Wars. What a what a just a misstep it was to have Nini in front of house and in, in place of Kelsey. I just thought Kelsey did a great job, and, and at one point Kelsey just started laughing at the insanity of it all, like just laughing at that the tickets coming back. And I just I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, more bullish. Yeah. What? I'm sorry, I need to push back on that. I really, but I, as someone, I did you not like get, that. You got to have some levity in this situation, but understand this. Le- Tom, the levity is like, not the issue. The- there was, it felt very sabotaging. It felt really kind of, I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to let you just sort of go down on your own. Rather than if this was a real restaurant and you were really the chef and it were going down, would you really be out the back going, ha, ha, how funny this is going down? You'd be thinking, what can I do to try and salvage this situation? Not for me, but for the poor human beings out there that are having to suffer through this, i.e. the customers. I don't know. I think there is kind of um, a therapeutic way to, or a cathartic like laughter of like, okay, let's let's at this moment understand how ridiculous this situation is. Let's just 
Let's just let this breathe out of our pores here, and then we can get back to business. I, well, I don't know. Well, I, I think, saw it differently. Yeah, no, I think, not, I, think with, I think I think with you, I think you're both right. Like, right. so Hershey, you deal in an environment where tonight's mishap affects tomorrow's closure. Like, right? Like, like I think Kelsey and and Justin and whoever else are very aware that in three hours none of this means anything. Like, we're they're literally going to fold up the restaurant, and everyone's going to go home. And right, like, like you you live in a world where if you if that happens on your watch, yeah. it's, it's your career. It's the career of your chef. It's the lease that you're not going to be able to pay on the space. So that's um, true. I mean, I wonder if Kelsey, you know, if, if this were a restaurant that they all had a, a material stake in, I wonder if uh, if it's different. I mean, it, it, this is truly just like a, a set. I mean, it's it's a Potemkin village. Um, true, but but wouldn't you? But uh, yes, but I hear you. I, I, I hear, I hear you as well. Don't you think, yeah, yeah, but, but there's an element of as well of me kind of being a bit cynical of saying, is this performative or is this really yeah. something that you're super passionate and proud of? Because even if I'm going to roll up tomorrow, it doesn't matter. These I have a responsibility to deliver these people the best that I can. And is this, are you a chef? Are you performing as a chef or are you a chef? Yeah, that's a good that. question. Um, yeah. Closing thoughts. Uh, uh, just run through the roster of, of remaining of remaining contestants. Uh, Eric seemed to put out, I mean, we had his dish, Tom, and I remember enjoying it quite a bit. The scallop and pork, um, and I, I know there but it was some... dry, it was salty, but the, ours the wasn't other, though. Mine, mine was. I remember it being. Uh, th- I think it was very thinly sliced pork, and it just felt like it was um, it was overcooked. But the rest of the dish was fantastic, and it was one of those. I, I don't know if it was Padma or or Tom who had a similar feeling, which was like if the other stuff was just so good you didn't need the pork or whatever it was i, I kind of yeah, that's a classic tom colicchio just take one ingredient off the plate kind of comment um but my point is, is he continues to turn out really you know, oh, pretty yeah. impressive food um eddie uh i first of all I, I just i'm a spiritual soulmate of eddie like like his shock and and sort of slight eorness is just <laughs> is it's just i i, I kind of i feel you look one upset with by winning and you're like i'm just I... shocked um yeah. And uh, he's just, you know, it's a lot of nervous energy. But uh, the guy continues to make good food. Um, and uh, we have a last chance kitchen. I mean, I, I just want to kind of tease it for everybody. I mean, it's absolute madness back there. Oh now. my goodness! They I essentially recreate restaurant right wars. I don't know what to do? Yeah. Um, now I will say, Natalie uh, was bumped, and uh, we're not going to have to. We're not going to get to enjoy her work anymore, which is a shame. They eliminated two out of four chefs, uh, and and only Nini uh, and survived along with uh, Brother Luck, Mr. Last Chance Kitchen himself, the two of them were essentially asked to recreate Restaurant Wars, essentially come up with a, a, a theme and three dishes in, you know, whatever, like 11 minutes or whatever it was. You know, like, and, uh, and so it was a cliffhanger. So we're going to find out, Tom, next week, uh, one of those two individuals is going to walk back through that door. Um, so, so Nini might be walking through that door. Brother Luck might be walking through that door. Uh, and we will be back to 11 contestants in the main competition, one of which will be either Brother or Nini. So, you know, you might not be without Nini for long, Tom. I mean, you might – your score sheet might look almost uh, as if she didn't even disappear. Yeah, and I got to say my team's looking pretty strong right now. Um, if Nini comes back, I have Brother and Nini on my team, Kevin. No, so, so you've automatically got another entry next week. And either, as you know, Tom, whoever comes back, they're going to be a force to reckon with. Those are two very good chefs who could easily finish in the top four. So uh, that's a very interesting development with LCK 
and uh, be fascinating to see who who wins that. We, we do not have any clarity from uh, Bravo or, or Top Chef of the loser of this last chance. Uh, do they go back into the last chance pool, or are they just eliminated? So, are they in the peanut gallery, you know, with Waldorf and Stadler and the rest of them? <laughs> I think the, that's a great reference. I think the um, the it the, this has to be continuing last chance kitchen they can't just like end last chance kitchen with like 10 episodes to go no no my question is is do they just yeah, actually you're right because whoever gets eliminated has to have someone to play so so maybe that's the case because lck is by the way i just want to say because it's been a few seasons now what a wonderful way just from a media standpoint tom and you're somebody who has you know digital media unique products and you know i don't know what you think hershey but i think if ever if i had to show a mainline broadcast show how to really utilize digital only content and still stay true to your show is there last chance kitchen is really like a broadcast success isn't it like like the idea that you can get on you your, your fix isn't over for the week you know that you get another 12 minutes of really of everything you love which is the competition and the judging and everything else like i i, I mean I, I, and i'm not just saying this to, to i'm not trying to flatter bravo like i just think that it's a perfect portrait of how to use the digital platform to enhance your 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 mainline show, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I and I, you know, as a, I mean, I had this conversation. Interesting enough, last week, I think, however much plaudits he gets as an executive, Andy Cohen is really the skill set of that human being is extraordinary. No, like I mean, he's in charge of the network. Is that correct? Um, I have no idea what you're. He talking. was. I felt like he was, and then the show started. I don't know what Andy Cohen's official title is right now. Um, that's he's a everybody's good favorite. For my sister who worships Andy Cohen. Um, yeah, I, but very, a very clever. You know, you know, his use of of multiple media outlets is, is extraordinary. Oh no, clever. and a hero to gay Jewish thirty some forty somethings everywhere. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a big Andy Cohen fan, and apparently a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, Tom. Apparently a big oh, yeah. St. Louis St. Louis we Cardinals fan. You kind of everyone has a flaw. Yeah, uh, I, I'm but, sort of I'm, I'm I'm a little weird on the Cardinals. Like I, on one hand, I admire the organizational culture; they're kind of spursy. But on the other hand, like I'm, a, I grew up a Braves fan, and it's sort of like they were always the fair-haired child and kind of annoying. Um, but I did, I did love Willie McGee and Nazi Smith and and uh, that team. So Joaquin Andahar, Joaquin Andahar. I remember me and my brother playing fantasy baseball like in 2004, and two weeks into the season, he goes to the waiver wire and just says, "Whoever has the most RBIs, I'm going to pick up off the waiver wire." And some guy with seven RBIs on the season was named Albert Pujols. There you go. And he picked him up and was like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to pick him up off of waivers. And it turned into one of the best hitters of all time. Yeah, he's like, see, I, see, the teams I remember, Tommy Herr and Joaquin Andahar and, and uh, Lonnie Smith, Ken Obrickfell. Um, I'm old, man. I am really <laughs> fucking old. Like those are the Cardinal teams I remember. Tito Landrum, seeing Pujols because of how unfamiliar. This, Jose Akendo, Jose Akendo. See, I'm so much older than both of you. It's amazing. Um, anyway, uh, Hershey, this has been such a pleasure, and uh, your your perspective is somebody who is who is really you. You face these questions. This is your professional uh, pursuit. You you answer and ask these questions. Uh, every single night and day, and and uh, as uh, you essentially your your life is a restaurant war, so right. well, it's well, really hope, appreciated. You know, what we've what we certainly, I mean, because now you know you can talk about it openly. So I guess what we're seeing now is the pool that Tom and Kevin have with the producers of the show. So maybe next year we can get them to implement this, uh, you know, front of house experts 
to balance out the back of house. Yeah, I, I really think, Tom, I, I really think this would kind of be a really interesting development is get what if these people were furnished with professional wait staff? You know, how does that change? And you can still trip them up. Maybe, you know, maybe you could still, you know, give them a few. There's many ways you could trip them up. Right. Yeah, there are enough, you, you can put enough sand traps, I think, on the yeah. course. Have, have someone I, hit the power button out the back and they have to cook in the dark <laughs> for five minutes. Stuff like that. You could have fun with it. But but it would be really interesting, and and uh, I, I just think that. Um, but but Nini, to me, Tom, I, I'm just I'm still floored. One oh, of the man. great will we'll go down as one of the worst play calls, um, playing Marty Ball basically, just 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 one of the worst play calls ever. Um, to 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 attenuate your best skill uh, in favor of one you don't have. Well, I uh, if you and then the the, the question the, is how does that reflect on a chef? Like it can reflect negatively on a chef, but you know, ultimately she got voted off the island because of her front of house skills. I'm I'm excited for her redemption redemption tour because brother years. I I, we have no idea. I mean, brother and brother's gonna be big. Um, brother luck back on the show. Goodness gracious, what a development that would be back in the main competition. Um, we need to get brother on this show, don't we? We need to. Yeah, uh, we got to do that. It's and time, I, to, it's time to break bread with brother. Yes. You know what? This is for all those Bravo producers or Bravo uh, magical elves, whoever it is. I think it'd be time to have one of them on the show just to kind of spitball some ideas to them and see what they think. Cause like the idea of like, like the service wait staff, like, like I would love to just learn more about like the ideas going into restaurant wars or just the show in general. It'd be cool to just kind of pick their brain about the, the decision-making that goes into the production of the show um, without revealing too much. I think that would be a fun guest and also brother luck and also Richard blaze. And also gotta get some of our old favorites. Uh, yeah. We gotta get Mina in here. You know, Mina, Mina, back Mina, on the show. Mina and I were texting the other day, man. We, we, we she's, we gotta, gotta get Mina back. Uh, you're missing, back up here. you're missing, you're missing the best guest that you got to have on. Yeah. It's Unsteady Eddie. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we'll start bringing in some. Contestants. So I have a theory. I think I think Eddie could very well win this competition. I, I think Agreed. he's an incredibly talented chef. Uh, I am a soulmate of his self-deprecating sort of nervous energy um, and all the rest of it. And I think he'd be a terrible podcast guest. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know. I think and I mean that tri- not as an insult. Like I just no, no, no. like like it, you know. You could I, want, I want. We want to get Sarah on. I want to get. I want to get Sarah on this show. Um, oh I yeah. To, I want to talk Southern jewelry, culinary jewelry with um, with, with Sarah. That would be a lot of fun. The top point getters right now, so far. Yeah, give me, give me the, the Spaniards. Yeah. In the uh, pack your knives fantasy teams, uh, Team Kevin right now is trailing Team Tom, forty six to sixty. The top the top scorers so far. Nini is still on even top. with the elimination. Even with the elimination, she is at seventeen points. So there isn't really another another top performer, another juggernaut in the competition. Uh, David is actually uh, at thirteen, the leading scorer for you. Uh, then, by the 12, way, had a, had, a, had a very good week on a bad team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, still a, a rock star, David. Um, as good as Eddie, I think on your team. Um, as yeah. good a, uh, a pick for for you. So you got you got David. You have Eddie. You have Michelle. You have Sarah. Michelle, have, sleeping giant, by the way, Michelle. You have Eric, and you have uh, Pablo. Just got booted and is uh, now on a stool in wow. Last Chance Kitchen Dungeon. For me, I've got Nini, Brian, Adrian, Justin, Kelsey. Brandon and brother. So I have seven contestants still alive. It will get whittled down to six. You know what? I, I know I'm down. I like my team. I think Michelle could pasta her way all the way to the finals. 
I think I think Eric is a sleeping giant. I, I really like my team. Pablo has been a, a, a total disappointment. He's my Darko Milicic to 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 uh, to echo uh, a Hershey reference early, uh, a, a high pick that is that is flamed out. My Anthony Bennett, but uh, I'm I, I believe in my team, and uh, we're just going to go out there and take it one episode at a time. And and give it our all. Be aggressive out there. You gotta, just we're going to be aggressive out there. You cook yep. your food. Um, you got to take what the menu gives you. you take what the take what the competition gives you. All those things. I believe in my team uh, and it, and its culture. And and I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm down for team, but I'm I'm confident. I think I think I mean maybe we should talk about this offline away from Tom, but I just think Adrian needs to be a trade target. A mid-season before the trade deadline. Well, let me let me let me counter with this. I, I and I thought she her desserts were beautiful. Um, she's clearly an expediter. We love her temperament and comportment. Um, I, I think she's had a series of uh, some bad decision makings in competition. Uh, you know, and oh, I, that's I think fine. Not, I'll, I'll keep her. That's fine. That's, no, no, no that's, I, I, I like Adrian. Like honestly, like I, I mean, sh- I mean, t- hey, I, I'm I'm with you, Hirsch. If I had to like start a restaurant tomorrow, I think she'd be on my team. I mean, if I had to draft for restaurant wars, like specifically restaurant <clears throat> wars. Like that, she would be one of my four without question. I, but I, she has demonstrated, and I don't mean this is a terrible insult. Like you know, a couple doing pasta when you know there's not time. There've been a couple of you know, misfires. I don't, I don't know. Has she made? Although we loved her. I mean, Tom, you're right. Those desserts were fantastic. You know what? I I think you have six contestants. Let me re- run through it real quick. Eddie, uh, sorry, you have five contestants: Eddie, Michelle, David, Eric, and Sarah. I don't think you're trading any of those. I think they're all just about untouchable. Like who? Would, I like my team. Like I, I just thought like, all right, if I were gonna, um, if I'd I like were gonna team. trade Adrian, who would you be willing to give up? And I'm looking at your roster, Kevin, and I'm not seeing someone that you would be willing to trade. You know, I like my team. I mean, my team is very reflective of my taste. And, can I speak? Uh, can I speak out against our people? Can I just do that? I yeah. like Sarah a lot. I just, I there's something. Yeah, I don't think we've seen her being her feet held to the flame, and I think you're kind of. Well, I don't think she's the best chef on my team. She's just my favorite chef. <laughs> I don't That's think. I, I mean, Hershey. I totally. I've been waiting for a Southern Jew on this competition my entire life. No, no, I'm with you. I mean, it's basically you and her and your sister in Georgia. Like that's who's left. You're, yeah. you're the last three. I mean, I'm. I'm very uh, Tony Kushner. <laughs> Fant- really yeah, one of maybe the greatest American playwright of the uh, you know of recent years um, is a from Lake Charles, Louisiana. So, By the uh, way, Kevin, just so just so you, for the record, we're terrible at drafting again because yes, we are terrible. The lowest, at the lowest point getters, the worst fantasy players this season were our top picks. Natalie minus four. Then you have Pablo, who was basically your 1A pick or 1B pick. Like you drafted right. Eddie first, and then you went with Pablo, and Pablo was at minus four too. So our both of our number one picks essentially Tom, are going to have worst outputs. It feels like it's been three years since tilapia crudo with green apple vinaigrette, <laughs> sweet potato bourbon puree, and togarashi chips. Man, Pablo came out of the box. I mean, that was uh, – you know, hey, I mean this, is, this leads to another thing. Are crudos sort of crutches? I mean, Hirsch, what do you think about this? Is it we're at a point where any even amateur chef with enough time and ingredients can put a great crudo and it deceives us into thinking they're brilliant chefs? What do you mean time? I don't think you even need no. time. 
That's yeah, what I'm saying. No, with even yeah, the modicum. I think of time. that that show the you know t- t- that as a show, it seems to be very crudo friendly. But no, I don't think so. I think you've got less places to hide behind, right? So if the, the, the more simple a dish, the harder it is to hide behind an ingredient or one particular thing. So I just think crudos are a really great way to show technicality and able to show restraint. Um, you know, case in point, the the forgotten crudo that, you, you know, you started talking about on this particular episode. So I, I don't think so. I think it is a really great way to show your technique, um, but there are other ways that you could show your technique. There seems to be a lot of crudos on the, on, on the last few this seasons is not, of the show. It's not Top Chef. It's not Top Crudo. It's Top Crudo. Well, I yeah, think because crudo. of the fact you don't have to cook it, I think it, it – um, it makes it so, of- so much of a, a top over. It's so valuable to have something you don't have to spend any time on in a in a time constraint competition. You also don't have to cook a salad. Like if you could win, you know, the Simpsons line, you don't win friends with salad. But if you could win friends with salad, you, you know, know who wins? Suzanne dish. Goyen wins friends with salad every freaking night. And actually, her yeah, I, and um, Carolyn Stein, who was on the show, one of the guest judges, is is, is her partner. Um, yeah. uh, Suzanne Goyen wins. Sat, I like those restaurants, by the way. I know it's like really, I love the, her food. Yeah, actually, yeah. the answer to I the know question. It's not cool to admit it, but I love those. All you know, those. you know what's funny about? I mean, we're all right, so we're going deep cut here, Tom. I apologize. Um, to answer the question I asked you, my personal chef would be Suzanne Goyen. Like every night of my life, like at the end of the day, that's huh. kind of probably who I want, unless it's like, you know, the, the you know the best. Japanese chef in Tokyo that I don't know. Like right, probably, that's what but, I was thinking. But, but the thing is, is Luke was very cool when it opened in 98. It was the place, and now it's a place where you can get the reservation the day of, and it's still you're going to go get one of the 10 best meals in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, I so love that place. Um, can I ask you a question? You anyway. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Do you, do you have to uh, incorporate – I'm going to be living with this person essentially for no, the no, no. They, they don't have to like. You don't have to like when you pad downstairs in the morning to get your coffee. They're not going to be standing there reading. The okay, page or so no, 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 like no. personality so, and just like that. They're in the stuff they're in the back house. In fact, if you don't even want to see them, you don't even have to okay, see them. The, gotcha. the food is just because that's an important time. factor. Yeah, right. Tom, no, no, who's no. yours? I, I didn't hear that. What'd you say? Who's yours? What's your choice? Oh, um, I was thinking because uh, I was incorporating the personality. Um, I I kind of felt like. Uh, Dale Talday from from Top Chef Mass, uh, Top Chef All Stars. That would be that would be a good choice uh, because I feel like he knows enough basketball, and enough sports. But he's his. I went to one of his. Um, it's called Kobaya. Shout out to Kobaya in uh, in Miami underground kitchen. Like the chefs in Miami try out a menu and you pay a hundred uh, hundred dollars for a seat at the table. He did an amazing Filipino dinner um, for like thirty of us, and it was so delicious. No utensils. You just the food Excellent. is out on the table, and you just get your hands dirty. And I eat. love no utensils. Utensils are, are dainty Northern European Protestant tyranny like the rest of the world doesn't i, I don't i don't like utensils i want to yeah we went food. to the ethiopian restaurant in boston that was like i was I, so happy it was, with that. It was yeah. so good so anyway that's my pick um yeah hershey have you have you come up with one i feel like i have to fly an australian flag i'm just trying to think who i would pick I mean, that actually changes it the thing of this is really hard to answer without offending anyone <laughs> but if you would ask me like i guess if i didn't have to talk to you know what this is what i'm gonna choose i'm gonna choose my old business partner dino esposito just because the really authentic southern italian food and he's very very you like all a, that red a, sauce business so his ability to blend 
the aggressive flavors of those the southern Italian food with super, super, super delicate. You know, so he's from Campania, um, down on the Norfolk ah, coast. So yeah. that sort of, you know, very light and delicate seafood and be able to put that together with more aggressive flavors is particularly unique. Um, Dino has very famously a very abrasive personality. So, you know, that would th- there's that to go with it. But, yeah, I would probably choose that or probably, I don't know, you know, maybe... Yeah, that that'll do. Maybe one of the McConnell brothers, possibly as well, flying the Australian flag. Um, but yeah, it's a really hard question to answer because do you choose? Here's the here's the question. This maybe we're getting off track, but you could do a whole pot about this. Are you going to choose someone who's particularly strong in a particular type of food? But you know, two years into his assignment of working at the house, you're like, oh my god, I just want something different. Or do you choose someone whose expertise is spread a little thinner so that they can provide you diversity of flavors, but it's not as precise? Yeah, that that was That's- my thinking with Goyan. Is is I mean, granted, I live in California, so she's just kind of. She's has been important to the kind of California. Take the simple ingredients, the great produce, um, the protein, and just and just and, and and you know some nights it's gonna you know it might have a North African right little, little thing. Some you know there's you know, certainly you know there's always I mean, Asian elements in California cuisine, but that's right. but that's sort of like if I had to eat the rest of my life. Whereas I Japanese food is my favorite food. Um, I don't know, but I you know maybe some I just think that like you know she's the great generalist. Right. I would also choose, to be fair, speaking of people who I've worked for with, would be Chef Tim Carey, who is the the creator of one of your favorite dishes, the 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 sea urchin panna cotta. Oh God! But, that is but so yeah, good. just his his ability Tom, to Tom, the, the sea urchin panna cotta. Holy yeah. goodness! I hope you can have that with me sometime. Mm. Yeah, he, he's actually available mm. if anyone wants. He could be talked into doing some home cooking at the moment. Apparently, mm. some private chefing, I should say. So, you know what? Maybe maybe for one of my big birthdays, I'll. Uh, I've always wanted to do that: is have like a chef cook for my like eight best friends or whatever, just at home, ten best friends, whatever, and just kind of that would be a perfect birthday evening. Hey, Kevin, uh, let's give a round of applause and a thank you to Bravo for having Absolutely. us at Restaurant Wars. I mean, that was such a cool experience. One of the top five moments. Uh, of my you know professional career this was a hobby that we just decided hey what if we just recorded our phone conversations that we have recapping the show and it turned into going to restaurant wars it Thank was you so it, much. it was finesse bravo did a great thing i think and also i think the hilarity of the fact that actually it, w- it was my partner eric schwartzel who got the big laugh line <laughs> on the show yeah. as he texted me you know so eric and i always have this funny thing where on top chef at these you know various when they're showing kind of the 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 patron response they always cut to like a gay couple saying something like <laughs> you know yeah, just, yeah. the flavors were great you know like and we always yeah. we've all it's been kind of a funny running joke with us with like the we want to be top chef gays and eric got to be a top chef gay you know after, he really after, did you know he got you know none of us remember the crudo like it was just a, a rosé fueled quip that will forever resonate in our memory i'm with you tom this was one of the great highlights of my year last year and of doing this, like, what a joy, a year and a half into our, our little project here to, to be uh, guests at Restaurant Wars. So thank you, Bravo. And thank and, you, Top Chef. And thank you, Hershey, for joining us on Restaurant Wars. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Great, great, great week. Great week. We didn't even get to talk about Kawhi's return to San Antonio. We'll have to do that another time. <laughs> yeah, we'll another time, another pod. This is Pack Your Knives. It was uh, Rosé. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Definitely in the backseat. We back here really enjoyed our Rosé. They kept it... <laughs> kept it full.
Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.